This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. Team Airball motherfucker! <laughs> Joey's no longer... What is poppin' everybody? <laughs> and welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, I'm here with the motherfucking chat. Let's go. What's poppin' chat? Team Airball motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> it was nice of him to uh, pop, some, pop some bottles for you. The champ is here. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Yeah, that was premature, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what did he lose? Like 1.2 yeah. straight after that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so here's a funny statistic. Uh, he reported that he lost 1.029. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 2.9 is partially rake. We paid 11K in rake. You want to know where the other 18,000 went? Where? Massages. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, he was paying, he was paying uh, $2 a minute. So you, because you won exactly $1 million? Yeah. I, I won like $1,2,500 and I tipped the staff the, yeah. the 2500 or whatever. Yeah. So like the other like fifteen k or so went straight to the masseuses. Okay. Which is incredible. That, that's, that's, a, that's a remarkable uh, for number. Yeah. Well, good I mean, think them. about it. We're paying, I'm, I mean, we're paying 200 an hour in rake. Yeah. And he's paying a dollar mm-hmm. a minute in massage. So no, two dollars, or sorry, two dollars a minute. So he's paying one twenty an hour in massage plus tip. So yeah. you know he's a generous guy. We'll good. say that. Hey, you know, yeah. like I said, that's that's good for the uh, massage therapist for sure. I was I couldn't I couldn't for the life of me sort it out. I was talking to Melissa yesterday. I'm like, I don't, where did it come from? I don't understand where this twenty nine thousand mm-hmm. is unless he's just like misreporting. A lot of green teas. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of green teas. I'm just like, where, where the fuck is all this? Where's this 29K? And I was like, well, we paid 11K in rake, so that's part of it. Where'd the other 18K come from? Or uh, 15K come from? Like, I didn't win it. Like, yeah. I have the physical chips. I see what's in front of me. And then she's like, what about the massages? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that's right. He literally had a masseuse the entire Did, fucking he time. He always had one the entire time? The entire time. Did he have the same one? No. Oh, no I was going to say, that'd be brutal. Just massaging someone for eight hours straight. Oh no, it's the, yeah, it's the same one each session, but oh my not God. not for the entire duration of the match. Yeah, I was wondering if he had, like requested the same. No, person. no. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this was like really common back in the day at the World Series. Like the ballers would play like you know fifteen hundred dollar events and just get like Ivy would just always have a masseuse, mm-hmm. always. Yeah, there's a few people that always just always for like twelve always, hours always have masseuse yeah. for the full day. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. I don't even think I can get a twelve hour massage. Like that that's a long time. It's ass not even a massage, time. it's a pet at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they're just petting you. <laughs> but like that's fifteen hundred bucks hey, a day. He, hey. Hey Andre. How did he um hi? How did he uh give you the ten K for the mistake? I, I walked in, uh so he, he always beats me there. He gets there like half hour earlier or whatever. I walk in and there are just two uh, gray 5k chips in front of my seat i was <laughs> nice. like oh, that's nice it's nice not mm-hmm. to have to ask that is, that is real nice just walking in and getting uh free money like that berkey you made all the alpha rex proud 
Let's fucking go from our boy Ryan Braun. Thanks, Ryan Braun. Thanks, I, I'm Ryan. disappointed in you, though. I, I have to say, I expected some Photoshop here, maybe uh, a little little towel image with with Landon cheering me on from the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, man. This was your time to shine, you know? You, you got to put those chops to, to, to work. We saw a lot of good Photoshops out there. There was mm. one with us literally hovering over his grave. That one was fucking was hilarious. That, and, and then they changed it and put me in with my head on a tortoise. Man, it was just so good. Oh, I didn't see the one with the Oh, yeah, on it's right below that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, all right, we're going to do it. And he stuck me in there. That one, it came out, that one came out this morning, I think. The king of Did L.A., it? man. The balls on this is, guy. Is that self-proclaimed? I think that... Yeah, yeah. LeBron's the king of L.A. I, I think he's mm. some, someone needs a very self-proclaimed king of L.A. There. He's a fucking court jester now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you, bro. Man. So it's over. It's, it's all over. done. It, 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 it's over. It's over. How happy are you to keep your 70, what, like 70 hours? 40 hours, right? No, no, no. Because then you have to study, the, the, like, oh, travel. It's like 70 hours yeah, that he's maybe keeping more, right yeah, now. Like, right. This, it's over a couple of weeks, so. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that's a really good question because I think my initial response was I was disappointed. Like, I wanted to keep playing. And uh, I immediately regretted not making the stop loss 2 million like he had begged for. Mm-hmm. Um, which, man, like, what? That's a silly, what silly mistake by you. What? What? like remarkable delusions of grandeur he had coming into this match. Yeah. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine that he like, he wanted to play twice as long for, for twice as high of a stop. Uh, uh, this, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is, but um, knowing like when he came in and sat with the exact stop loss, like I knew yesterday or uh, Saturday could like be the day. It, no, it was over when she said it, he sat down with 350. Yeah, it was just like if I take a leg out, like if I get up 100k, like you know, he's sitting with case money now. Yep, it's a very different game, right? Because like oh, now yeah. he's yeah. not reloading, he's exactly. not able to, he, he's like considering. Uh, there was a hand we played midway through the match, um, where he three bet pre, I called and it came 10 10 4 rainbow. He checked, I bet quarter, he called turn is the king of spades, putting king 10 of spades out. He checks, I bet pot and a half, he calls, and it's like pretty obvious that he either has a slow play 10 aces or ace king at this point. Um, River's like an offsuit seven, and I jam for three X pot. And he tanked forever with what he told me was ultimately ace king and folds. And it's like, you really don't have a better call than that. I mean, I guess like, I guess maybe ace four is a slightly better call because I don't really have any king x as played and you want to block pocket fours. Mm-hmm. Um, but like outside of that in a 10, obviously a, a 10 can't ever fold. Ace king becomes a pretty good bluff catcher. You block my ace 10, which is like my only... You block my king 10 and ace 10, which are like the only 10s That's that can right. be jamming here. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, yeah. So it ultimately ends up folding. But my point is, is that uh, that was for case money. Like that river jam for 180k was his last 180, and he wasn't going to reload. Mm-hmm. And I think that like there was a part of him that was pre-programmed to just like I don't want to call it off. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's such a big part of heads up is having bluff catchers facing polarized sizings, knowing how they're supposed to play and react, mm-hmm. making the tough call, and then reloading every time you lose. It's almost um, like you have switched to like a tournament strategy where your 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 tournament life is on the line. 
Well, I, yeah, but I'm playing ICM as the chip leader at that point. Uh, you, not you, him. I mean, right, right, well, right, right. Yeah, but you shouldn't. That's the thing. It's like if you do, oh, because it doesn't matter, right? Right, right. Because I'm playing chip EV, right? Exactly. So if you make that mental switch, yeah. you're just costing yourself a lot of right. money in spots where like you're folding hands that are printing. Yeah, like I imagine, I imagine like an ace king fold there is probably like, I don't know. I, I mean, I would have to look at, it, but I, I, I imagine it's around zero EV. It's probably not like making or or losing a ton. Oh, it's definitely not losing, but it's it's probably not making a ton if anything. But uh, like, imagine if he starts like folding his weakest tens there. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine he has like ten seven suited, and he's just like, oh no, like I I ran into it. And he starts folding. Those hands are making infinite fucking money, right? Like just infinite. And I don't know that he would fold those hands, but I, I'm just saying, like, when you do switch to a tournament mindset of like I can't bust this stack or the match ends, I now just get to print yeah. because I'm not altering my strategy at all i'm just playing straight chippy v you were yeah. already redlining so right 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 and i did when i realized like you know this is case money for him i did start to alter my strategy slightly in the sense that in spots where uh i have hands that mix between uh you know the polarizing overbet size or uh just like you know the pot size that you're gonna fit your more linear hands in i just always went the overbet route yeah right because it's like whether i'm bluffing or valuing it doesn't matter. I'm just trying to chip closer and closer to zero as fast as possible. Like the final hand we played, my hand's probably pretty close on the turn. Um, as far as like its frequencies between just playing check call versus check raise, but like it's it's just pure check raise for me. Like we're playing an all in pot here for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the hand went down was I three bet red tens, um, and or sorry, I had ten of hearts, ten of something, not ten of diamonds. Uh, it came nine eight three, uh, two hearts and a diamond. I check, he bets quarter, I call, turn is the 10 of diamonds, now two-tone. Uh, I check, he bets three quarters, and we have like three and a half pots behind, four pots behind, something like that. So I check, raise three quarters pot, which is uh, geometric here, um, leaving myself three quarters of a pot behind, and he jams. And it's like, it's a tricky spot because he has all the straights. Like, he doesn't fold any of the jack seven suited pre, he doesn't fold any of the six seven suited pre, uh, he doesn't fold any of the queen jack off or suited pre. So it's like he has way more straights than me. And this is a pretty reasonable spot for him to have just like C-bet quarter with that entire range of hands and then turn, you know, a relatively nutted hand. But like, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to play a 300k pot here because him winning doesn't even get him even for the day. Right. And me winning just like... It's over. It's over, baby. <laughs> and it's like, you know, he has sets. And as long as he has sets and two pairs, I have him dead, you know, maybe a third of the time that the money goes in, maybe even more. Right. Who knows? So that was it. That was uh <laughs> that was the nail in the coffin. What yeah. up, Andre? Wanna go back real quick. Um the ace king hand. He actually showed you the ace king. No, we talked about it afterwards. He asked me about a couple of hands. Oh, okay. And he volunteered his hand first, so I believe him. You had ace ten, right? Yeah, I had ace ten that hand. Uh, I should have thought, oh man, that was such a good opportunity to fucking lie. <laughs> that, that's truly how, like, if you want, if you want to know the like, core of who I am, uh, like my instinct there was to immediately tell him the truth. And it was like hours after the fact where I was like, I should have told my queen jack of hearts. <laughs> like, like, I don't like this guy. And in a situation where I could immediately add insult to injury, it didn't even fucking dawn on me. Yeah, it's you, like, just, you know, I mean, you, you're going to have a victory lap. You're going to dunk some because I think you, uh, you've earned that right. But I mean, you know, you have somewhat of a 
you know, soft side, little heart, little. I don't mean to. Yeah, I trust, but you trust do. Me. It's in there. That's what I, I know. Let's pour one out for all the people that you took Airball at plus one seventy. Yeah. For, um, all, for all those people that took Airball at plus one seventy, let's pour one out for you. Let's uh, let, let's have a moment of silence for Cole Poise. Cole Poise had fucking. Bro, this is the best story. <laughs> this is the best story of all time. Cole Poise. <laughs> Cowboys publicly tweets that he thinks I'm a three to one favorite. Okay, <laughs> publicly tweets that like he thinks the correct line is minus three hundred. <laughs> Brewer on the side reaches out to him and says like, "Don't do it, man. Like Berkey's a huge dog here. He doesn't have the mental fortitude to like withstand airball for a hundred hours. Like no way. This is all a trap. They've been working. Like you know, Ishan's good at heads up. Uh, all this other stuff." So Cole Boys bets <laughs> airball at plus 170. Oh, my. And then the next day, we're nose-to-nose in the Bellagio, and Brewer tweets, I want Berkey after seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole time, Cole Boys has been on the wrong side. He's been DMing me saying, like, I don't even care. I deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder wow. what the true the true number is now. I mean, we we, we, we probably... At the time, people were just throwing out numbers, right? Nobody really knew yeah. exactly. And you even said like, oh, 170, I don't know if, uh, minus 170, I don't, I don't know if you should bet on me, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I was weighing in a lot of unknowns. Yeah, of and course, there's a lot of unknowns. But, I, I, well, the main unknown right. was I thought he would get better. He would get better, right. And, you know, the variance, I don't, yeah, I don't think you realize the, the gap that actually existed. So like, what do you think the true number is? Now, do you think it is the minus 300? it's it's very possible mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm plus 300 versus him but i'm certain that he could enter this exact format versus heads up players and be minus 300 or sorry be plus 300 right like for sure um yeah i expected daddy doug to have a bigger impact mm-hmm. but after this past week of airball saying like you know doug tripled the amount of hours they were putting in and then he showed up and played the way he did yeah. I, I don't think there's any hope for this guy like I, it would take years him to get competent heads up he just doesn't understand theory like I, i've said it from day one um he's super exposed now in the sense of i don't think people understand how big of a whale he actually is and has always been mm-hmm. and this is uh, a great indicator of it and look i i mean obviously i'm throwing shade and i'm having my victory lap here but this is with no malice like he is genuinely very bad at poker and it's it, it just comes from like a complete lack of understanding of theory and that just is easily demonstrated by the fact that he wanted to play a 250 big blind minimum buy-in with an ante in a situation where like if you're not good theoretically you're just going to get absolutely roasted at depth like him and blank check ben running this narrative that like being deeper somehow benefits them as weaker players is batshit crazy you know the game tree just expands and expands it's endless and you just get put in ridiculous spots where like you face you know 300 percent sizings and you have no idea what your bluff catchers are supposed to look like because you've never studied a day in your life like ben was complaining that garrett would always make the game bigger and like force straddles and and you know he's like and it takes away my edge because now all the pros get more shallow Mm -hmm. and i don't have uh the ability to like outmaneuver them anymore it's like what you're really saying is that you don't have the ability to play bingo, right? The reason why you want to be deeper is because you want to have a cheap price to go to the flop, try to outflop people who are better than you at the game, and then just like use your crazy pinky in the brain image 
of uh, I'm this wild maniac billionaire, like pay me off, you know? And it's like that works in ring because people get swept up in the meta very easily. They, they don't pay close enough attention to realize that like the guy who's pretending to be super loose has actually only played like mm -hmm. one hand in orbit yeah. type of shit or that they overfold a ton versus certain lines or that they under bluff infinitely in in others and uh you know you get heads up and it's just all fucking exposed there, there's nowhere to hide and those became glaringly obvious to me after our first two hours together you have to play every hand yeah you have to play yeah every and hand. well yeah bringing it bringing it back to the beginning um so he wanted to do a two million dollar stop loss right yeah um at what point would you have like what what was your thinking then to say no to that like you because you weren't going to stop at one million if you got there and you knew Correct. that right yeah and you knew that from the beginning so like what was your thinking of not doing a two million stop loss um it's a very selfish one and it's so dumb now in hindsight because i could have just structured this differently mm -hmm. but i didn't want to have to raise two million initially because then i would dilute my piece oh well, that makes sense that's um, not selfish that's smart no it's so dumb because i could have done this i could have done i could have raised in like 500k increments oh i see what you're like saying. i could have just taken yeah. all of myself on the first 500k yeah and then if i bust it just like start to sell thereafter yeah, of, course, of course what you what you normally do like yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I regret so much like i there's a lot of ways i could have had nearly 100 percent of myself in this match mm -hmm. and i had a big piece but like uh i was very responsible mm -hmm. and i didn't need to be <laughs> like, i'm serious we played for we played 58 hours of poker and he stacked me one time yeah, yeah. Sure. no i know that it, it was wild how he just like you know the beginning of the show we we showed them uh you know cheersing and that was like the only time that he had any momentum or had any kind of even in like, that session he didn't stack me right he won 129,000 or something mm -hmm. like that that session but it was just like a slow bleed yeah Right. Wait, was the only time that he stacked you was the royal flush over straight flush? Yeah, I mean, to, his, to, to be fair, he uh, won a 500k pot prior to that where he jammed, you know, 5x the pot on the river and I called with <laughs> bottom set. Yeah, you flopped a set and he went runner, runner, uh, it, not straight. Yeah, so it left me with like 30k or something like that. Okay. And then shortly thereafter, like within the last four hands, uh, I flopped a straight flush. He, he flopped a straight and then backed into a royal. Uh, and that was the only time I got stacked the entire time. It sounds like, honestly, yeah. I, I read all the hand histories and like was watching along, obviously. And it sounds like you have more swings than the Blasio game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not even close. Well, uh, yeah, no, I was going to say I'm more shallow in that game, but that's not even true. Yeah. Yeah, no, like the, well, it, it's, the players are better, man. Like, I don't know what to say. Like the, the, the standard deviation here was very low. I doubled up probably 15 to 18 times throughout the course of nine sessions. Yeah. He stacked me once. Yeah. It always felt like you always got it out to like a nice running start. Like you always right. like what you're up a hundred within, I don't know, two hours. The Th first that's what I every mean. time. That's what I mean. Like the, the biggest <laughs> pots that we played were him recouping losses from earlier in the match. It was just like variance leveling itself out, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there was never really a, a, a point in this match where he had a bunch of momentum working in his favor. Mm -hmm. You know, he never, he never really... The, the most momentum that he was able to swing was going from minus 200K in session two to even, and then going from minus like 250 in session three to uh, plus 100. Yeah. Like those were the biggest swings that he incurred, where I had 
three sessions where I won 300 and then two more sessions where I was up 300. <laughs> That's five out of nine sessions where he was stuck like almost a thousand big blinds. Yeah. It's, you know, it's yeah. reckless, there, man. There's never reckless. been a, a more uh, a greater display of um, like lack of experience and um, for a better lack of a better term, immaturity. I mean, right. Because like, um, I, I don't know how or where, or when it happened that he got in, into his head that you're just a bad player and you just can't win. And he's just going to come after you and take you on. And he just totally disregarded the fact that you've been a pro for 20 years and you've been making money, a lot of money playing this game for 20 years. You've been studying for 20 years. And, and he thought that he could just come in and just like, just take you down. And, uh, well, yeah, you, I, I think it, but like it, it is, you know, it, it shows that like he hasn't been in this game that long. And I, I think he just, uh, you know, I, I wonder how much his camp it, was encouraging that. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But what, like, what do you mean meant to say? This is a perfect display of fuck around and he, find he, out. He fucked, <laughs> he fucked around and he found out. Yeah. And I mean, maybe he learns, maybe he learns a lot from this, right? Maybe he does like step back and be like, oh shit, like. I got I got torched, I got wrecked, and and he does decide to maybe step back, study, tr- figure out what he does wrong, and get better, and maybe he sticks around. I don't I, mean, I, I don't know. But like I think it's a big lesson for him to have, right? Like if 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 he if he chooses to take this as a, a huge learning experience, then maybe maybe it, it it comes out better for him in the long run. I mean, this guy's playing LA cash games. This is not going to go any, and he's not playing heads up. Like this isn't going to go right. anywhere, like studying wise. But like the point of like humility, like just being a normal human being. Yeah. Like and not blurbing out bullshit. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna piggyback on top of that. Um, so I know JMO wants to play him now heads up. I know. <laughs> G-Man wants a piece of him as well. Yo, just to be clear, I, I'm still first in line. This motherfucker asked to right. triple the stakes, yes. and I'm yep. I'm I'm in. I'm <laughs> fucking in. Okay, like so the point the point that I'm trying to make is I think from this point on, I honestly don't see a world where Airball now challenges people to heads up, regardless of how much he dislikes them, right. especially if they're professional players. I don't yeah, know about you guys, right. but I love this double guapo going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Guapo. Uh, I don't know that this is going to be much of a learning experience. Maybe. I mean, he is posting Teddy Roosevelt's uh, man, <laughs> man, <laughs> man, man in the arena. arena. Honestly, it's like he didn't even... Well, I, I'm very confident he posted I'm 99.99999% yeah. sure Lynn posted this <laughs> because this is the most Lynn thing of all mm-hmm. time. Like, find something that has deep meaning and turn it into a banal platitude <laughs> uh, and it came from the airball g yeah yeah uh, right account. it's just like this could not be less appropriate this never ever ever applies to the guy who talks shit picks a fight and then gets his ass beat you don't become the man in the arena at that point <laughs> you become the arena that got trampled on <laughs> like that's just sure. not how it works um so yeah i mean i i from my perspective think that they're very tone deaf over there i will say he handled the loss gracefully yeah. uh good I, I had no intentions of doing anything other than quietly racking my chips and leaving but he uh he extended his hand shook my hand said good game and congratulated me on the win um no apology still no apology for calling me a scammer and i do think that doubles back to the point of i wonder how much his camp 
uh, encourage this. You like, just scammed him out of a million dollars. What do you mean he's gonna? Pop? You're of course you're a scammer. <laughs> well, like, I, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you've been studying since the trailer park days, so <laughs> that is true. Everybody in on the secret. Berkey's still with Lynn. This was a, a giant scam from the beginning, yep. and it was, wow, it was all to get. It was all to get Airball's money. Could you imagine? Lynn convinced Airball completely. Imagine. Oh, the bum! You know oh, the bum oh. that wears a backwards baseball cap. That looks like a broke oh, piece it, of trailer trash. It. Okay. I Him calling me trailer park trash. Uh, Airball calling me a scammer. Lynn saying I'm selling to drug dealers. Like all of this. I mean, all of these narratives are so fucking ridiculous. Although the trailer park trash isn't that far removed. I did. Section eight, bro. Section eight. Come on. Yeah, I did grow up in section eight. Like we're not we're, we're not really that far off there, I guess. Um, but I do wonder, like, how much his can. So first of all, uh, rumor on the street is that he sold forty percent. And I think that that had a lot to do with him stopping, right? Like, I imagine he had people to answer to mm -hmm. when it came to the million dollar stop loss. And the weight, like, even even Polk was kind of like very, you know, casually hinting that uh, Airball was like just absolutely getting blasted in mm -hmm. this match and just didn't really have much of a shot. He tried to retract his I'm on Team Airball statement as, about as quickly as possible. But I wonder how much of, like, you know, the HCL crew was feeding him this narrative of, like, you need to defend our honor. Like, we need somebody to go out there and shut this guy up, prove to the world that he can't win. Like, somehow I think that they had actually convinced themselves that I'm bad at the game based off of whatever, like, watching me play on stream or, or something to that effect. And they had also simultaneously convinced themselves that Nick was like the second coming of Garrett and that this guy was a natural talent. Like I heard it from everyone in their camp from Lynn to, to Brown Bala to, uh, you know, Vertucci and Feldman just talking about like how incredibly talented this guy is. And it's like, well, no, he's not right. Like they, they couldn't have missed the mark any further from like from the truth. Like I'm very, very, very studied in this game and he is just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks like this was not a fair fight in any capacity and i just wonder how pressured he was because at the end of the day like look he's an adult he he gets to make his own decisions right. but he's 26 or 27 whatever you know he's very impressionable he seems to be trying to be a part of something bigger than him in the hcl community and the live stream uh with all the attention and stuff like that i just wonder how much of the blank check Ben, the Lins, the Vertucci's, the Ryan's, the Brown Balls, how much of that, and Doug, like how much of them or, or how much of a force was behind him kind of like pushing him to say these things and to get this match and to call out Garrett, right? Because like mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's reasonably, uh, if it's a reasonably strong amount of them kind of like, uh, I guess instigating this, they're really setting him up for failure, man. <laughs> like I was the soft spot. I, I, I don't think Doug could be one of those instigators. Like Why? telling him to go play. Why? It's a free roll. 
Yeah, he, I he latched on and said he'd coach him. Yeah, he bet on him. Like, why would he not they, be part of trying to get the match started? Yeah, maybe. Right, like me yeah. losing. Like, I, that's the thing that I don't think people understand. And a few people spoke out on it. I appreciate everybody who did. But like, I had so much what? more at risk than him. Way yeah. more. This this is so I mean, the, mild. Right, the narrative. If you look at the narrative, like it, it, a lot of it is is. Oh, Berkey won because he's supposed to win. Of course he won. Why are you guys dunking? He's he's, right. the, he's a season pro. You know why? Why everyone they were going around dunking? He's supposed to win. How could he lose? So like, yeah, if you did lose, ooh, it'd be just right. Yeah, like what we're wild. doing is so mild by compared. They mm -hmm. they were toasting champagne after one single fucking <laughs> winning session, man. Yeah, like these guys have no shame. It would right. have been a bloodbath, and Doug would have mm -hmm. been the one leading the fucking pitchfork army. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So like, yeah, I, I, but like, I was the soft spot it, of, of everybody that he's calling out. Like I'm the fucking one that he had a fighter's chance against. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I don't even think he had a puncher's chance. Like, I think I could have easily been a two or three to one favorite. Like if he gets in there against Garrett or somebody who's actually competent at heads up. Garrett plays a lot of heads up. I mean, I don't know. That's how he or, came up online. Oh, okay. So he has a lot more experience, obviously, in heads up than you do. Granted, it's like pre solves. I mm -hmm. mean, I learned to fuck a lot in three weeks. <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, uh, I'll be honest. Like, uh, I hired K Rab as a coach, and we only had two conversations. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, I mostly ended up just like, we, we basically game planned. You know, it was like, um, when I, I, to be honest, like, I was like, okay, like, we're in this, like, K Rab, you're my guy. Like, I, I'm going to need you. We spoke for an hour and a half the first day and we were just like completely on the same page Yeah, where, uh, you know, we developed the game plan of how we were going to approach this and what I was going to mechanically do. And it was really refreshing to hear because he wasn't like, okay, uh, here are the 12 nodes I need you to examine. Cause like one of the first questions I was like, I was like, you know, how much, um, how much like turn probing for overbets do I need to, to factor into, he's like, bro, like, Stop. <laughs> Stop. What are you doing? Yeah. He's like, you're not playing a, a killer. I was right. like, okay, good. Okay. So like, we're Jason Kuhn or something. Right. So it's like, okay, we're just going to be simple about this. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're going to have so many exploits available to you. All you need to do is play good poker and pay attention. And I was like, okay, thanks. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's all the coaching I'm going to need now. Let me go get the work. And uh, from there, it was just day in and day out, just like me doing what I've always done in my study process. And uh, for what it's worth, like I'm building a course on this now, even though it's going to be centered around how I studied for heads up, it's going to be the blueprint for like how I just approach study as, as a whole. Mm -hmm. This like top down type of approach. And, um, you know, it just went really well. Like shout out to those guys at Ruse. They built a fucking amazing product. Uh, shout out to Ewan uh, for, for getting me the preflop ranges. Once I had the ranges uploaded to Ruse, it was just go in and get to work, man. You know, run the trainer, study some different flop scenarios, figure out what your CBET strategy is going to be, figure out how you're going to handle turns in and out of position, and just get to work. Like, get your bet sizing matrix uh, matrices down, understand the mechanics of the game, and then when you're in there real time, just start asking yourself the questions that you always do. Who has advantage here? Like, is this a big bet spot or not? Like, you know, there's, there's a theoretical approach that you just take. And if you understand all that stuff and you're playing someone who doesn't, they're fucked. <laughs> they're just fucked, man. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's, that's just very simply put where we found ourselves. Honestly, the most prep that I did 
over the to- over the course of this was working with Elliot, just like making sure Shout that Elliot Rowe. Yeah, he's the best. And honestly, it was the most necessary thing. I truly think that I would have had similar results if I didn't put any effort whatsoever into studying Heads Up No Limit Hold'em, but just truly worked with Elliot. And uh, I'm not like trying to overplay his service because that's not necessarily what I'm getting at, but more so there was so much hoopla and noise and uh, social pressure and all this uh, you know, kind of background that's, that's taking place where I'm putting my reputation on the line. Uh, I'm trying to demonstrate that like somehow I'm 20 years in and I'm, I have to like demonstrate that I'm competent at a game that I've been making a living at for two decades. Like, I mean, you had it all on the line here. You mm-hmm. had literally everything on the line here. Like, yeah. outside of money, like, which I'm sure you had a pretty hefty bet on that. But like, he had my job on the line. Like, no, literally, <laughs> he literally had everything on the line here. Like, yeah. if you lose the airball, you are a laughing stock yeah, for fucking for sure. years. Mm-hmm. And like, Doug gets the fucking run all over that with that. Yeah, and it's like you know so, we did the variance calcs like even well it. it we, we have no idea what the win rate is or the standard deviation, but like I'm supposed to lose, uh, you know, I, I lose a million, like somewhere between one and 3% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to lose the match, like somewhere around, uh, again, it depends on the win rate, but somewhere around like 20 to 25% of the time. Yep. So it's like, that was a real outcome, but that's why I'm, I'm putting such a big emphasis on, on having worked with Elliot because yeah. I can't tell you just like how even killed I was throughout all of this. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll anybody has to know is what watching you on high stakes poker that the, the live stream and like how you just kept your composure the entire time when all this craziness was going on around you after i mean that 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 and i i'm, that not, I'm not exaggerating the, the, the great work that elliot does. i'm not exaggerating there was no part of me during that seven hour session that was like repressing something there was no like no you burning in my fine. stomach where no, like i just right. wanted to you know yeah. knock somebody that's what i'm saying it was just fucking noise man yeah, yeah. yeah i, I want to um I want to talk a little bit about that dynamic um, because you're the guy that's supposed to win, right? You're the guy who's been in the game for 20 years. Um, last week, I saw an interview with Giannis. Uh, of, <laughs> sorry, I don't know basketball very well. de Caputo. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but he had a really eloquent answer, and I think it parallels a little bit to the situation that you were playing these last couple of weekends about failure. Um, so I'm going to show you the clip here. I think it kind of speaks for itself. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh my God. Uh, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get, do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every, every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know. Um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking that question? <laughs> it's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. So my knee-jerk reaction to this was, wow, this is... This is really well put, especially considering uh, English is not this guy's first language. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the more I thought about it, like the inner sportsman in me, if you will, um, 
like it's okay to say hey you know what i did fuck up i was the guy that was supposed to win here maybe there's something i could have done better obviously in team sports it's a little different when you got other people on the court uh, but when you think about things like uh like boxing or tennis or mma i think you can say hey you know what maybe this was a failure so my question is this if you would have lost this match how would you have looked at it i mean we all understand that variance is super high in heads up yeah, poker yeah, yeah but how would you have taken this it would have been really hard for me not to call it a, a failure just because like i have so little respect for his game um but i think Giannis makes a good point and uh he he said it very eloquently and put like a lot of emotion behind it but what he's truly speaking to is like nobody understands the math nobody understands variance in a nutshell right mm -hmm. like jordan's the greatest to have ever done it he won six out of 15 seasons you could never in a million years call the other nine failures right you would you would just look at them individually and say like well how did he perform and like that would be the measurement of uh of like his career and his ability and everything else you could do the same thing with the the heads up match but we can't because it's live right but if i lose and i'm able to get a hold of a graph and see that i ran you know 20 buy-ins below ev then it's really easy to not consider it a failure because what else could you have done like if the cards were reversed uh the same thing the same outcome would have occurred for you um i you know we can't see the graphs or anything like that but i'm quite confident having seen showdown and knowing what my hands are that if the cards were reversed i would not be down a million dollars like yeah. i don't know what i would be down do you, do you feel like you did run above expectation i mean I, with i do feel that way but beating him in such dramatic fashion well, such fashion of, right yeah it's trouncing. it's really hard not to yeah. think that like i ran above ev i'm sure mm -hmm. i did but i have no right. idea what his card distribution right. looks like exactly right yeah. i can only see it from one side mm -hmm. i know from watching um how you were over the weeks that how well like trained you were mentally for this because like there was a bunch of bullshit going on on the internet and stuff and i like i was i told a couple people i was like if you can bet berkey bet him it yeah. was like two weeks in, i was like just bet him He's he's like he's locked in, and like I've now I know that you were working with Elliot. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt good. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> I definitely just... felt good. I I started to actually look forward to playing too. Uh, once it was clear that he wasn't going to talk, because mm -hmm. that just made my life so much easier. Like Ellie and I were prepping to like, you know, deal with like verbal warfare. Yeah, during all this. But us being able to just go in there and stay silent was so fucking pleasant. I bet. Uh, I think the only time I spoke to him was whenever he took the 30-minute delay because I asked him to move his big chips to the front or whatever. <laughs> and when we finally got the cards back in the air, uh, I was just motherfucking him so hard because he was, he was taking like a minute and a half, two minutes between decisions. And I was just sitting there calling him a coward, and <laughs> just reminding him that like he called me a scammer and wanted this match, and now all of a sudden he's trying to slow it down. And I reminded him that he took two weeks off for being fake sick so that he could get better, and he still sucks. <laughs> I mean, I was just, Whoa. I was just letting him fucking have it, and he pretended that his headphones were on so loud that he couldn't, couldn't hear, hear me. Couldn't hear you, but he heard you. He heard me. He for <laughs> sure heard me. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that was going on. Yeah, I never. I didn't really mention it. No. While I was, I was, I was fucking steamed, man. I was steamed because I thought that, like, at that point, we were like forty hours in, and he was winning. Like, I, I think he was up thirty k, or maybe it was the session after where he was down like a hundred or something like that. But either way, it was like relatively close, and I thought he was trying to just like burn the clock. Mm -hmm. And oh no, that's right, I was up. 
I was up, uh, I was up like 300 and I was texting the group saying like, Phil, you have to negotiate a buyout. I'm not doing this for another 65 hours. Yeah. Like I can't possibly play this slow. What's going on? Oh, you're oh, Chauncey. You'd... Come on, bro. <laughs> come on, bro. Blame the cat. He, la he laid right on the volume button. <laughs> why you got, why you got to cause problems, Chauncey? Yeah. You're only here for a few more days. Can't we just get along? He's such a good boy. Um, yeah, was, uh, I'm, I was a little surprised that he took that approach, but I guess I shouldn't be because heads up's fucking hard. I couldn't imagine like talking shit throughout the course of all this. Like the whole time. Yeah. Well, at least not from his it'd perspective. It'd be, that's mentally exhausting in itself. Yeah. He did, he did get a few in there, but like they were so whatever, like he wouldn't build a few bluffs in my face. Almost always, it was the best hand, <laughs> <laughs> which is like That's so demoralizing. Yeah, it's right. like uh, there were a few though that like he got through, but that that's that was the other thing is like I was so sure he was under bluffing to such a high degree because he couldn't wait to show me the big ones mm -hmm. that it was just like, man, you're only showing me a bluff like one every four sessions, and you're getting yourself so pumped up over it that it's just like, how excited are you to finally pull off that river pot size bet with Jack Nine High? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, he made my life very easy beyond the, the initial call-outs and everything else. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to, I guess, what's next now that Garrett has called him out for, for a heads-up match. I'm willing to kick up the stakes, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, he, he had quite the big call-out of me when he was drunk on high-stakes poker. I did kind of chalk that up to him being drunk at the time. Yeah, but, I think so. Um, Definitely would love to bump it up. Like I said, how big are you willing to play? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I just let him know. The the smaller yeah. we play, the closer to a hundred percent of myself I'll have. Um, but like whatever. If he wants to ruin his life, like I'm happy to be the the, the grim reaper. In this so yeah. if the man says a ten million dollars stop loss, one k, two k. Oh, fine. I, I mean that sucks <laughs> because I would have. No, if it's a, no, that, don't, that'd don't be give fine. Away I, too much. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> whatever. No, he's like, doing the math. Yeah, like whatever. Uh, I wouldn't need a ten million dollar roll to play one k, two k. So like, it, it's it's kind of whatever. Um, that would be messy too, though. I, I don't I don't want to do anything. Let me be clear. I don't want to do anything where uh, we have to play to some sort of completion. I I just have a fish on the line that I'm willing to play until he realizes it's a bad spot for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, if he wants to play heads up, I don't care what stakes he wants to play. Like, we can play them. It's not going to be this structured. We have to play 100 right. hours at this exact right. time. Just like we'll play. Right. Yeah. And if you want to hit and run me, you can hit and run me. If you don't want to hit and run me and you want to get your head kicked in, you can sit around and get your head kicked in. Yeah. Whenever you get tired, we can quit. We'll mm -hmm. go to bed and we can resume anytime you like. And there's no just 10K no penalties. <laughs> yeah. No penalties. No pressure to play. Uh, no minimum. No, no like buyouts or anything along those lines. Like whatever, man. If you want to play for 30 minutes or 30 days, we can play. Well, so let me ask you something. Can you give the people what they want now? What, a stream? And give them a heads up stream. Um, maybe, yeah. Like, I, I would play a session on stream, but I don't think it's... I truly think not streaming this was the right choice. No, I agree I, with you. I 110%. Agree. I think, yeah, like, for it, sure. For, it built up so much Twitter stuff as well. Like, it, nobody needed to see this. I, I feel very confident that a stream would be disappointing to people. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think that they would see... Like, there's still some allure to, to Nick... And as much as I dislike him, I think that is worth protecting uh, for the industry's sake as well as like for his own sake. I think that if he actually got on stream and played a seven-hour heads-up match or whatever, 
that allure would just be crushed. Yeah. You would just see a guy get absolutely fucking steamrolled for, you know, the better part of three or four hundred hands. And uh, the, even the viewing audience that, like, may not be very studied at heads up or anything along those lines would just kind of be deflated. Yeah. Right? It, it, heads up poker is not fun to watch. Very boring. It's really not. Like, I sat through so many hours of Daniel and Doug. And it's just, you know, when you're seeing the bottom third of the deck versus the bottom third of the deck, there isn't a whole lot of fireworks going on. You know, yeah. you're just kind of sitting around waiting for that one in 100 hand that happens every few hours where uh, stacks are threatened and, and a big pot will be played. But um, what I think would actually be best is if we did a stream and it was uh, edited down rather than live. I think that's the best version of heads up poker. Yeah. For sure. Right. A highlight real type. Because there's just a, so many hands that yeah. are just like raise and fold. Yeah. And there's nothing really happening. And yeah, yeah. The, the audience can be like lulled to sleep almost. Right. At a point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that would be the best version. I would be happy to do that with him. Are you going to film uh, 10 hours? Are you going to continue to uh, uh, run heads up solves and, and take on any other cu customers? I don't think so. No. Uh, I truly don't have much you interest. You want to get back in the ring? Yeah. The, actual, the, actual, <laughs> the actual ring. I see what you did there. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think heads up is my niche. The incentives just aren't there mm -hmm. because, like, becoming a killer at it kind of hurts you more than helps yeah. you, mm -hmm. and uh, it really does not help. Uh, like your ability in full ring it makes you so spewy, man. Like so many hands that are not playable become and i'm already towing that line yeah, like, I, gotta, I gotta put these uh these these uh, ranges aside and yeah, get back I, to the <laughs> i'm admittedly already a few pips too yeah, wide yeah in pretty much every spot in ring right and i do it in a way or i've built a strategy in a way where i think i'm i'm getting away with it pretty well i can't be five pips too wide like i can't keep looking at king deuce like i just got dealt the nuts like, yo king deuce of spades is a sexy hand man you know it's like i'm the guy who's like still fighting for for the people who want to fold ace deuce suited in middle position it's like what the fuck is wrong with you you know i can't yeah. i can't take it to the next level where it's just like okay any suited anything suited any suited nine gap yep hand that contains a broadway mm -hmm. card we're just in there 10 three suited check three suited let's go yeah, like I have a new affinity for 10-6. Like, <laughs> these hands are just really good, you know? So, yeah, I, I think it was a great... Um, I actually... I, I hate to, to give them thanks because that's not, that's not fair with the way that this whole thing came to be. Uh, I don't appreciate like the way that I was called out. But I will say I have a newfound um, excitement for the process or a newfound confidence in the process, I should say of the way that I've always approached the game and the time and energy that I've put into creating training content and, and everything else. I, I think for a lot of my career, um, it kind of lacked validation because uh, my peer group isn't doing the same thing, right? Like live, live mid to high state guys aren't really on that grind. Mm -hmm. And uh, the online guys are so far ahead of it that we're we're not really peers either like they're just in a different arena you know so i think for a long time it was just kind of like um continually building out this methodology that is taking a baseline theoretical approach and then figuring out like where all the ins and outs of exploits are 
and just knowing that you're really uh, upping your bottom line in, in those areas. It's difficult in, in ring because they're so widely available and they vary so much person to person. And truly the best players in uh, the live sphere are going to be good at being able to understand that like, oh, versus player A, that's an absolute fold. Versus player B, that's an absolute high five, get it in. And in theory, it's just a zero EV hand, right? But you just play A and B exploitatively different and it's never a zero EV hand. That was never really validated because there's, there's no data, there's no, there's no peer review, there's nothing like that. Studying for heads up, like the validation came immediately. It was so obvious. Like I could just communicate back to the team immediately. Like, okay, I think he's imbalanced here, 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 and here. And we're going to lean heavy into exploiting those. And then we did. And it printed, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, okay, that was really easy to confirm um, based off of what we've seen at Showdown, based off of the way the match is going. And of course, like there's still going to be variants involved there, but like you don't need 100% confidence, right. right? You just need like reasonable confidence to continually do it. Uh, and we just kind of like never took our foot off his neck. It was nice. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think overall it makes me um, feel a lot more confident in the process we built in building content in uh, my game moving forward and stuff like that. But I have no interest in getting to a level that like even Daniel got to. Like, forget about Doug, but like, even to the degree that Daniel got good at heads up, like, mm -hmm. doesn't really interest me. Did you say you want to play Daniel heads up for rolls? No. <laughs> I think that's what I heard. I think that's what we heard. That's, yep. I, I, would heard play, I would play a friendly match versus Daniel just to test mm -hmm. my chops and see, like, how far away. Because by all accounts, everybody said he got to be very good, like, you know, uh, a top-tier heads up player by the end. Um, Breaking news. Matt Berkey calls out Dan, Daniel Negreanu to play heads up. No. <laughs> we, we probably wouldn't even be able to agree on stakes that were worth it to him. Right. Uh, because I wouldn't like, want to risk a lot play 1020 or? <laughs> no, but I would play like 50, 100. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it probably doesn't really matter to either one of us all that much. It would just be, be a lot less shit talking, I think. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I heard Galfon was looking for a heads oh, up challenge. Galfon. Galfon would be interesting too, actually, uh, because he doesn't really play a lot of no limit. Um, again, I think I'm a dog in both of those matches. Of like course. a pretty favorite or a pretty sizable one. But uh, it's also just like a waste of everybody's time. That's the problem. Because right. even though course, we, yeah. we all like have profiles, uh, it doesn't draw in the same eyeballs because there's no conflict. Mm -hmm. Right, right, and me as the underdog certainly doesn't want to start a conflict with either of them <laughs> no. because, like, I don't gain anything. You know, maybe if there's a spot of some sort that, like, I just need to get good enough to beat. I, but I think Landon's out of heads up. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could just play Landon. Hey, Landon there you go. Maybe I can get him to spot me like three or four bigs a hundred at least. So, I think he's retired. I don't know. He is in the MTT streets these uh -huh. days. Man, um, a weeks. Like now, this is all behind us. This is all over. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, we got the series. It's man. WSOP That's time, right. baby. It That's is right. WSOP time. Guess what? I just, uh, I just finished my package. Oh yeah, I'm putting it out there. Uh, I'm playing uh, 13 events, like 26 bullets. If you would like a piece of, let's go. If you like a piece of the tortoise. I'm going to tweet it out now, and uh, you can take a look and DM me if you, uh, you want a little sweat. 
Let's get let's get the tortoise in the main. Let's the tortoise is going to be in the main. The tortoise main is, is actually not part the of the package, but there will be there will be uh, opportunity to buy pieces of the main as well. The, right, you guys the heard tortoise, first. The tortoise like he spins to get in the main, you know. That's Blacked true. out That's drunk, right. yeah. fucking eighty eighty eight dollars yeah, spins on WSOP. That's what we're Bang. talking about. <laughs> that was one of the best stories I've ever personally <laughs> witnessed. Uh, I'm so sad I wasn't there. It, it was incredible. We were at a Fourth of July party. And uh, Kev Math was tweeting like who would win the uh, I don't even know what they're called. Um, they're, they're, like called they're called uh, all in yeah all in uh, satellites yeah. I think or something. Yeah, like that. so they're just like you buy them for eighty eight bucks and then there's one winner who gets a main event seat. And uh, it was like what twenty nineteen two thousand nineteen. Yeah. I had played every um, every main event I think from two thousand six. Or maybe I'm, I don't think I played 2007. I played 2006. And then since 2008, I played every single one. Um, and then this was like the one year where I was like, I wasn't going to play. I didn't sell. And then, um, so yeah, I just decided, I'm like, I'm just going to get so I think, this. So I think Lamano only had his World Series name for a short period of time at that point. And Kev Math tweeted out, Sulfur for, for Bry won the flip and go. <laughs> and I look around the room, I go, who, is somebody spoofing us? Like, who the fuck is Sulfur Bry? <laughs> And the man goes, that's me. <laughs> and he was so drunk. He calls I his, his, I was a little drunk. He calls his dad and his mom, like just celebrating. Very happy. I was like, well, I guess I have to stop drinking now. Yeah. Play the main event tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a real uh, feel good story. That Come was on, fun. Chance. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then a cash too, which was even, even better. That was when I followed the Queens. Queens on the bubble. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like, hey. The free fifteen thousand. Who would you fold it to? Seaball boy. Uh, uh, no, I folded it to uh, Colton. Colton, yeah, that's Seaball yeah, boy. Oh yeah, Seaball yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yep. Yep, yep. It's, um... He didn't have it. Well, no, of course. <laughs> not. Sorry, sorry. I know that, <laughs> but he, he didn't have but I'm it. sure he had thirty percent. Yeah. Well, it's the good news is, uh, you can get yourself prepared for the WSOP with uh, an academy in two weeks. Come mm -hmm. on, Chauncey, Jeez. and these nails. Uh, we have a few seats remaining. Lamanna might be taking one of them. Uh, May 24th to run graphics to the 27th <laughs> that is going to be a four day MTT Academy led by Matt Hunt uh, each day you will get to play and represent uh, a portion of the tournament so day one will be the early phases day four will be the final table and he'll be covering like ICM decisions as well as the major strategic options that you have available to you uh, beyond just you know playing your hands and uh learning the the flops and turn strategies it's really more of a, a global sort of game planning if you will for how to approach these mtts these large field mtts specifically so if you're interested in that head to solvefory.io click the banner above that'll take you to uh the mtt academy page it give you a lot more information you could sign up there Man, I can't wait. What about I can't the, wait for uh, that. I can't sick wait day for promo. Are we oh, still doing We are. Listen. Now, I said it ended when the match ended, but the manager here. Listen, I set the expiration date to May 30th, and I'm not changing it. He's not changing it. So, so you, you know guys what? have a couple more weeks That's to take right. advantage of the sick day promo. Um, Don't worry, Berkey. You can afford it now. <laughs> <laughs> that is Everyone fair. can thank Nick, actually, for, uh, for this free month. Yeah, thanks, you know, Nick. We yep. appreciate you, buddy. You can keep the lights on for a little longer. Andre, what are you? What are you doing over there in middle uh, of nowhere? <laughs> I forgot Andre was here. You know, I'm in Cyprus right now. I just had the worst flight, whatever transit. It was like 29 hours. 
but we're out here uh, doing Trade in Cyprus. It's going to be another good event. Really excited for it. There's another Pro-Am. Um, oh, those are fun, right? Half the field is pros. Half the field is amateurs. They get sequestered in the beginning, and then they join up, I think, Such a great event. Two. Yeah. I, I think it protects the the, the amateurs. I, I shouldn't call them amateurs, because they're really not amateurs, but the <laughs> business people, the VIPs. Right, right. Um, they're so good these days, like the, the VIP guys. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we got that going on and just 16 straight days of 16 hour days. It's how many, how many events? Um, a lot. There's a lot. I want to say it's like 30. Yeah. It's around 16 to 20. Oh, 20. Okay. Have but you had I, a chance? I, I don't know. I don't know. how. Many Have you had a chance to see uh Kilbane? How's he doing? I haven't seen Kilbane yet. I just saw Ali. Um, I don't think Kilbane is here yet, but yep. as soon I, as I find out more I information, I saw him on him. Instagram in his, in his sling, and he's hopefully healing up uh, quite nicely. Oh he's, he's young. He's young. You know, he'll, he'll he'll be he'll be fine. His young bucks heal up. Quick. Well, he's not getting surgery until after Cyprus, so he's oh. doing all of this without with his really? shoulder still messed up. Jeez, what a beast! Yeah, he he went to KL. Tom will take a day off just to talk to the. I know he he went there just to 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 get information from the doctor, and they're mm -hmm. like, "Oh yeah, you could just wait until after Cyprus." So he's doing that, which is insane to me. You yeah. know, you uh, you had your own little confrontation with uh, with Airballs Camp mm, yeah, you over did. in those Twitter Spaces last week. These spaces are getting out of fucking control, man. <laughs> Spicy. What, what are they? Spicy. Uh, so before so, uh, before we come back to Andre, last night apparently. Uh, they did a Twitter space and Vertucci was in there talking and then the poker Karen got the mic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you got that clip guap, but uh, Vertucci had some choice words. Poker Karen, if I fucking bump into this fuck and I ever know who it is, I'm going to fucking fuck him up. Jeez, <laughs> that's a little that, strong. Uh, I, I don't think you can say that. Some people think I'm the poker Karen. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. He threw some of those knives your way too there, Andre, or should I call you Guapo? Because I don't think he knows the difference. <laughs> he, still he still doesn't know who's <laughs> who. Look, they're both on the screen at the same time. <laughs> right, there's Andre. Well, yep. Oh, no, we can't actually have them both on. There's the Andre. Yep, there's, there's Andre. Guapo. There's Guapo. See, two different people. Guapo? Two different people. Controls our <laughs> graphics and whatnot. Right. Andre runs production all the way over in the Triton events. Right. <laughs> Different, Different people. people. A couple of small productions in the past. You know, I've only worked with like GG, Poker Stars, um, Triton, Renault, WPT, Deep Stacks, WPT. Yeah. So, like, a lot of startups. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very so, kind of you to not, to not, you know, throw that resume out there whenever Vertucci was basically saying you barely know how Poker GFX works. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty no, sure you, he, you he lost the argument that. at that point. He said, everybody has an opinion. I don't give a shit about your opinion. Right. Your opinion seems to be qualified, but you know, here we are. Yeah. Like, here's a guy. Could you imagine, right? Like, you have the biggest technical potential, um, you know, potential uh cheat to rock the world in the poker community and you still choose to be tech illiterate afterwards you're just like i'm not going to figure out anything that could have gone wrong with my system i'm just gonna 
What does he do there? I don't actually know. I'm not going to figure I mean, out to be fair, To be fair, uh, I don't think that's his role. But since he is the, the kind of like public facing, the public forward facing face, I guess, of HCL, it would probably be good for him to get a brief of the talking points. Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, yes. if you're, if you're going to be doing that's all more the, so I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm not going to figure out anything. I'm just going to host a, you know, game with 10 million on the table. There we go. Let's do it, guys. Who wants to play? Blank Check Ben invited me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he invited me. He said that uh, he, he tried to get Vertucci to lift the ban. He said that uh, he would guarantee they're an open seat for me. Um, I, I politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully. Imagine playing there. Uh, I, I have the buy-in, in case you were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> based. Absolutely fucking if based. Any, if anybody wasn't sure, uh, you know, they're in Resort World chips right now, and I, I would have no issue getting into the game, but uh, <laughs> I, I have some integrity mm. questions that uh, I don't feel very comfortable with, so we're going we're gonna to take a hard pass on that one. Appreciate, appreciate it, though, Ben. I see you out there. You call me Trailer Park trash but you trying to look out for your boy yeah. what a guy get me what paid I, I, I respect it my man mm-hmm. well get you paid huh but that's the thing this, this, is what, this, is, this is what people don't understand they all think this is airballs camp right they think all these guys out here talking shit they're all in airball nah i'm low-key dark you know, side maybe baby. You'll, maybe, you'll, <laughs> maybe you'll be on cash of the titans wow yeah maybe uh, i could have been on this one i know they but, only gave me six hours to get the money right, it was too well, hard yeah um, no, just just keep those keep those resorts chips in a box until uh, next year. But yeah, I, I'm I'm low key dark side. Me and Blank Check, we're like this. You know, he's just out there looking out for your boy, trying to get me in all the soft spots. Yep. Me and Vertucci, low key besties on the side. <laughs> That's why he's coming at Andre. You know, try to get a little bit more drama stirred up. You uh-huh. know, told told Andre he was gonna kick his there little is- jujitsu ass. Oh no. no! He didn't say that. He didn't say he was going to beat me up, but he did call me Jujitsu Boy, which makes me feel maybe he knows the difference between me and Glapo, or maybe he just thinks all minorities look the same. Um, <laughs> but I, I do feel like uh, you know his response to me was not the same as P- Poker Karen's, which to me is like a huge um, compliment because he's he's basically saying like if we got into a fight, he would not be able to take me, which is great. And probably true, to be honest. You are a trained assassin. You're, you're literally, your body is a weapon. Nobody thinks they can beat you in a fight, man. Like, I tower over you and I wouldn't dare, not in a million years, initiate that. You bite ankles. <laughs> Anybody fuck ankles. with you? <laughs> we tried once, Conrad. We tried once. Yeah, I'm never fucking wrestling no, with you ever. <laughs> that, that was not wrestling. That was submission. Yeah, that's part of wrestling. Looked like a kinky sex thing to me. That's why I was scared at first. I was like, Jesus, get away from me, Andre. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your perspective, I guess, watching all this from the outside, Andre? Well, um, which one? The poker Karen or you? Uh, the match, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a really different vantage point. Obviously, I see everything that's going on in our chat, so I get to see a very intimate view. But um, it was, to me, it was just like a, a swarm of bullies just coming up against you and, you know, took a stand finally. And I think that um, it was beautiful to watch, really. 
Like it was the true hero's journey of all of this because, you know, I've known you and I've wanted you to fight back for so long, but you were most probably correct in waiting off because nobody gives a shit about like these small little defenses here and there when, you know, whether it's Doug or Airball or Vertucci comes at you um, or whoever it's going going to be. But it had to build to this momentum. And what was nice is just everybody was unanimous in, in seeing how you've been treated over the years. And everybody made it very public. And so if people maybe thought it was just like this phrasing in in the lifetime of your career of you getting picked on, they got to see the entire breadth of work of everybody that has like done shitty things to you. And I think that's really important because context matters. And that's one thing that you've always pushed for, the nuance and the context of everything. And everybody got to see the huge breadth of work of what, you know, I, I don't want to say shitty people, but like some... Um, some people that I don't know that 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 aren't the best-hearted. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that community. I think that's um, I think that segues well into like the space that Doug hosted, where uh, he went on a pretty long rant about how the reason that he has bad blood with me is because I attacked his business, which is so disingenuous. Like he started attacking me five and a half, six years ago. And the podcast we did about the lodge was eight months ago, um, which, you know, I, I don't know even what he takes issue with in, in regards to that podcast. I've watched it back three times now. I've publicly tweeted out timestamps of everything that he held complaints on. And uh, <laughs> I'm really proud of the work that we did with that pod. I, I think that it was very accurate for a conversation that needs to be had with regards to unregulated poker markets. Um, Sorry, there is one thing that throughout the whole thing that I think that at the at the time was incorrect and that he like started bla blacking about which was the um the no peak option they just added that yes but that's what that's why I, I feel like that's where the attack came from oh, I don't recently. know why because they just added it yeah, so if I, mean, I said it eight months ago it was true they did they didn't have it on eight months ago so I don't I don't really know what the fuck we're talking about other than being spin doctor and changing yeah. the narrative of course um but uh i think what's like more critical to take out of that is that he claims he ruined fernando jay nandez uh over him trying to attack his business and steal customers he claims that he's justified in uh these you know heavy-handed attacks versus me because i'm threatening his business and he'll do anything to protect them yada 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 if you look back over the last six years, he's done nothing but personally attack those who are in competition with him. Yeah. Myself being at the forefront, right? It's like we've been a, maybe not a direct competitor because they've always been bigger, but we're in the same space. And he made no bones about taking every single cheap shot he could to disavow me as being a credible, credible source in this community of any level of information, be it strategy or otherwise, right? Yep. Um, so I, I do think that like this past week, week and a half of a lot more people speaking out and us getting to have some public discourse with regards to the way Doug has run his business has been really important. And even though he was able to kind of manufacture his own space on his own turf where, uh, you know, he 
largely dictated the narrative and controlled the conversation. You know, when we were speaking, he kept trying to like back me into a singular point that he could defend himself on. And it was clear that like, whenever I said, okay, let's talk about Fernando. He immediately like goes to what I can only imagine was a pre uh, a pre-written statement of like what he had to say about Jay Nandez because the tone of his voice immediately shifted and it went to a cadence that was very clear that he was reading off of screen. Right. Um, and if you listen closer, like, because you're not necessarily a fan of Doug, you're objective or you're biased against, if you listen closely at one point in, or different points in the space, he blamed Thomas for putting up the dildo video. He blamed his lawyer for writing the contract for Jay Nandez. He blamed Matt Coletta for offering too big of a piece of the course and then not correcting it in enough time. He blamed uh, his inner circle for the content that gets released, basically saying like, uh, you know, they give it the okay or the thumbs up before he puts out his, his videos or his social media and stuff like that. And not once was there any level of accountability on his own. And Jay yeah. Nandez really pressed him hard on this. Where he's like, it's your business. Like, if the people beneath you fuck up, it's your mistake. And he just absolutely shirked that yeah. and refused. It, you have to understand, man, if there's three owners and one of them makes an error, it doesn't become my error. It's like, are you the majority share owner? Is it your face who's on the on the, 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 the billboards for the company? Right? Like, of course it falls onto you. And I can't tell you how many times as a, as a, a business owner myself that... I know that I'm the one taking the bath whenever we fuck up. Yep. And that responsibility, knowing that that responsibility is there, makes me be more diligent in ensuring that we don't fuck up. It makes me you know, provide an extra level of customer satisfaction where if they're unhappy, we'll refund or you know, whatever. We, we bend over backwards to ensure that people never feel wronged by us as, as a company. And that's absolutely critical where... It seems like Doug has a very different divide and conquer fuck you type of approach where it's his way or the highway. He's always right. And if he's wrong, it's because somebody else fucked up. Mm -hmm. And to anybody who like cares to listen, they'll see that in that space. They'll understand that he's not having good faith debates. That's why Phil got so frustrated and just stopped talking because he has no interest in good faith debates. He just speaks in logical fallacies, tries to redirect you and move the goalpost onto something that he can then harp on and be pedantic about. And it works. It works to the average listener because all they hear is somebody getting dunked on and they don't try to discern between good faith and bad faith, right? They just listen for who gets the, oh, like it's a rap battle kind of thing. So he's great at that and he's done a great job of I've never, I don't think I've ever seen an image repair happen as quickly as Doug's where he managed to divide the community and have some portion of them now hating Galfond. When Galfond wrote probably one of the most powerful pieces that I've seen in a long time, not just turning the ire on Doug, but basically using Doug as an example of this like level of bully culture or lack of business ethics where your entire uh, strategy is to just tear down competition rather than you know be a part of a cooperative community and I know it got misconstrued because I don't think either myself or Phil communicated it very well what we were speaking about when we said uh, you know it's just understood amongst the community that Doug is a cruel person we weren't trying to make it sound like there's some in-group out-group it was more so that 
the general consensus amongst our peers, because we feel we have peers, is that Doug is an asshole, right? Doug doesn't necessarily have peers because he's no longer in the online arena who were f formerly his peers. He's no longer dominating that space. I'm sure a lot of those guys still look up to him, but I'm sure that a lot of those guys also know that he's not competing there any longer. And he was never in the live arena in a meaningful way. And when he tries to insert himself now in that live arena, he's not just going to walk in there with respect. You know, people who are much inferior to him at poker are not just by default going to give the guy who made a takedown video about them or their friend or someone in their peer circle automatic respect, right? It's going to be quite the opposite. He's going to take a lot of shit and he's not going to be welcomed with open arms, if at all. So sure, you'll see him pop on Poker Go every now and again because he has a big brand to leverage. You'll see him on a few streams here and there. I'm sure him and HCL will continue to work together. <laughs> You're never going to hear about Doug Polk grinding out, you know, 200, 400 to 2K, 4K, 100 sessions a year, right? But like, that's literally the thing I've done for the last decade that, that he criticizes. And that was the whole point I was trying to make is that the things that you criticize me for and the people that you are, are slandering uh, as a byproduct are all of the arena that we're competing in that eventually you're going to have to target because you're, you're outgrowing or you're aging out of at least uh, the former arena that was propping you up. And I think like, you know, this is the first step in a fall from grace that, that we're going to see. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, I'm greatly overestimating how, how low of tolerance we're going to have for this type of behavior moving forward. Maybe I'm wrong in estimating that Doug's not going to change, right? From my perspective, I don't think anything's going to change. I think we're going to see status quo. I think I'm as direct in his crosshairs as I've ever been. Um, and I think like people deserve a reminder that this is a six-year-long one-way feud where much like Daniel, we didn't clap back. Mm -hmm. You know, we made one response video that was self-deprecating. Yeah. And that was it. And there was very little, if any, clap back outside of like some back and forth on Twitter where Chin was like really, you know, trying to defend me and willing to pick a fight. But uh, beyond that, like, it's kind of nothing. And he's done a good job. I said it sarcastically, but like in the last year and a half, he's really put himself he's gotten out over his skis more than ever right with the sports illustrated cover uh debate with the coin flex rugging where uh they go insolvent and a high percentage of the people that doug had you know shielded this product to likely lost a bunch of money um and now leading into this air airball debacle right like he hitched his wagon to another loser it's uh he's being humanized you know he's not he's not perfect any longer, and I think just it's, he hitched he he had a he had a part to play in this, right? Like not only did one. he instigate it, but he also trained the person that was supposed to compete against you and beat you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I just want to mention that pointed at, I, that was really obvious to me with this whole Gil, Galfon situation was that his defense against Galfon is, "Hey, you're doing the very thing that you're." Uh, accusing me of doing right. right so it's like i'm i don't feel good right and you're doing what i do to everybody else right 
So you're a hypocrite, Galfond. And it's like, wait, you don't like the feeling that you're getting. You think you're being mischaracterized right now, but this is exactly what you do. And he's right. smart enough, especially now, to see, you know, just the the math of it all, your longevity, how long we've been in the the content space. Like, let's be honest, the the poker training space is very saturated. Mm-hmm. It's not hitting like the entire poker um, poker community, the, you know, all the casuals and stuff. It's roughly around the same size. Yes, it's growing slightly, but it's roughly around the same size every single year. Yeah. And you're still around. How many other poker training sites have come and go that, I mean, there's countless. And, right. Or how many have popped up really huge and then now you barely hear from, yeah. maybe they're around still, but really they're not doing anything. And it's immeasurable. And so that's what's, I think, a little bit frustrating, where you see him viscerally react to Phil Galfond, uh, where he thinks that Galfond is doing exactly what he does to everybody else. Right. right. And the thing, like, that, the thing just... that gets overlooked there is uh, the reason why what Phil is doing is not the same as what Doug does is because Phil never speaks. So his words carry weight. Right. And that, that, that can't be, that can't be uh, overstated enough. Like, sure, he may miss the mark a little bit in his language, or uh, he may have been a little flowery here and there, uh, or a little uh, overdramatic with the way he painted things. But that doesn't really matter. Like, what matters is the core message. And, uh, you know, basically, it's like, this has been going on long enough, and now the guy who is, who deserves as much leeway as we can humanly offer whenever he speaks is finally speaking out in a, a specific way. So it's like, he's not he's not bullying Doug. I know Doug spun this narrative and he did a great job of, of like finding a way that <laughs> that like people could actually gravitate towards. But uh, this wasn't done with malice. It wasn't done with anything other than to draw attention to the fact that like, hey, you guys have been partaking in this as well as the audience. Like you've been a part of this. You've been laughing along. You've been clicking the button. And you've been dragging the people that he he turns his sights on. So like, let's not forget that we're all complicit. And he was even taking on as saying like, I'm also complicit in the way that I remain silent. I think all of that's like really worth pointing out and getting past the bullshit spin job that, that Doug's trying to put on it where it's like, no, it's the popular take right now to come after me. It's like, well, it's popular because it's fucking true. And there are a lot of people that exactly. are, are sharing the same sentiments, you know? Um, and I want to address no one, one com- would ever bat an eye. Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I want to address one well, comment. I was gonna... <laughs> I'll go, then you go. Uh, somebody said, why not just move on? Worry about your own brand. No need to attempt to cancel somebody. Point has been made. I'm not trying to cancel Doug first and foremost, but secondly, he's now attacking our business. So I don't understand why he gets some sort of free pass mm-hmm. to defend his business at all costs, where we're expected to just continually take the high roads. Like those days are gone. Like the airball match, the the Doug bullshit that's getting dragged out in public, like the high road doesn't get you anywhere, man. You you just have to counterpunch. I'll never be the one to f- throw the first throw the first punch, but like it, in this day and age, like we have to be prepared to just counterpunch. Yeah, over like, and over. I I mean I I you know if you see some of my tweets, I've been going after Nick, obviously, but like um you know if if Nick just was like, hey, I think I'm better than you, and I want to play you heads up, and let's play, and then that was it. I wouldn't be out here like, you know, dunking on him and all this stuff and, and doing these things. But like, 
you know, he called you a scammer. He said sulfur Y is a scam. It's a bit, and, and I take that personally, right? Cause I sure. mean, I work for this company. So like, so yeah. So like when, when you make it personal, when you, when you tax somebody's business and you do that, then yeah, you're, you're going to have, you know, people come down on you, uh, when things don't go your way. 100%. What were you going to say, Andre? Um, no, I forgot. Damn it. <laughs> That's on me, man. That's on me. That's My bad. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully it comes to you in the next five minutes. But if not, <laughs> um, we're going to be doing a... Oh, I remember. There Sorry. It is. There it is. Um, there is. People wouldn't bat an eye. Like, Foxen came out with the whole RTA thing and Ollie's scumbag. Mm. Um, people wouldn't bat an eye that, you know, other people believe that Ali, you know, cheated and have evidence or whatnot. We don't call them bandwagoners. We don't call them like, oh, you're just saying what's popular right now. You're just talking about, you know, our podcast was just trying to get views because Ali right now is very popular. Shitting on Ali is very popular. It's like, no, we have to cover exactly what's going on. Right. And if anything, what Foxen does is lets the cat out of the bag and let him be the first person to kind of like break the news because, you know, I know you Burke had a lot of like secondhand or third hand information about that stuff, but never yeah. enough to actually come forward and say stuff. Right. And you do need someone to, to head that charge. And in this case, it was the whole Charlie situation that, that actually, it was the situation that headed the whole incident. And then Galfond you know, just doubled up and said, Hey, this is, this has been a systemic thing that's been happening. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the, the whole bandwagon bullshit is, is not, uh, uh, a steel man argument for no, dealing with, uh, of course you make a really valid point in the sense of like, uh, there's going to be plenty of topics that we covered that are beneficial to us to cover, but we're also just going to be covering a lot of topics that aren't. And in both regards, it's just a byproduct of the show that we've built, right? Like the easiest way to test the barometer of like, if it's an authentic piece worth covering or not, tune into Twitter space, tune into any of the Twitter spaces and tell me if they're talking about the same things. If the answer is yes, then guess what? You're just tapped into the news cycle. And like part of that news cycle is sometimes going to be someone that you like getting dragged for doing something that was really shitty. And we all just have to own that. Like this could have blown over so easily with like just a simple, you know, <laughs> sign of regret and an apology or whatever. But that's not the world we live in, especially not if you want to continue doing the same thing moving forward. So I, I don't think that, you know, I give Doug a lot of credit. I, I think that he's very strategic in the way that he approaches these types of things. And I think he was very careful with his words when he made those apologies. I think the fact that the Charlie apology was on Twitter and not on YouTube was very, very intentional. Um, and I, I think that like moving forward, a lot of this is to kind of test the waters of just how far the boundaries lie and how close to what he's been doing in the past. He can continue to do like, I was speaking to Phil about this. It, it's, you know, uh, as we all get older and more established in this industry, there becomes a greater disconnect with the next generation. So it's not like Doug's going to start doing takedown pieces of the next up and coming 22 year old right? Like that rivalry is never going to form. And he's made peace with Daniel. So that rivalry is kind of dead. Uh, Jason Mercier isn't a bad reg anymore. 
<laughs> so you know like what kind of you know what i mean like the people that he was targeting for such a long time mm-hmm. they've moved on things have changed and it's just like what remains it's it's just going to be it's gonna be like me and luke schwartz like he's just gonna <laughs> make a bunch of fucking videos about the two of us you know so at some point uh i think we should expect to either see some sort of pivot or just a, a relentless tired approach of kind of the same old shit i can't see like I mean, he made like another video about you. I just don't see it land. Not after everything no, it'll land. happened. Thomas is just really good, man. I mean, I know, but like, and really? They're, they're really they're land for laughs. I, but. I also think that they've been pretty good at uh, working in a lot of self-deprecating humor lately. So like, he'll, he'll take shots at me while also kind of mm-hmm. like redistributing the shots back at himself. And I yeah. think that... No, he's very good at what are, he does. And, and right, for sure. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't even take issue with those. I, like, whatever, man. If if uh, if there's humor to be had, like, I get it. But I think Jay Nand has made the biggest, most appropriate point of it's very easy to um, change the public perception through twisted truths when you use humor. And I just think we all kind of need to be a little bit more cognizant of that and understand what it is that we're actually laughing at and who is uh, potentially on the wrong end of that. Because it's one thing if you just need to have thicker skin, but it's another thing if like you can look at a joke that's being made and understand like, oh, that's directly going to impact this person's life. Yeah. Agreed. You want to take us home, Connie? Thanks for rocking with the squad. Another great episode of the Only Friends podcast here. <laughs> Where, you know, we took a little victory lap. Nothing too much, but we got it popping. As we always do. As we always do. We will be back tomorrow. Evening. Evening. What, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean evening? 6 yeah, p.m. tomorrow. 6 p.m. What are you guys doing? Uh, I'm playing Bellagio, and uh, Brent and Platt are better off later in the day. All right, well, we'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Have a great day. Or 6 p.m. Pacific. Pacific. <laughs>